Welcome to a special 58th New York Film Festival edition of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. Today, NYFF programmer Rachel Rosen is joined by director Philippe Lecotte to discuss the Ivory Coast filmmaker's breakout film, The Night of Kings, paying homage to the tradition of griot in West African culture. This original vision tells the story of a pickpocket played by Kone Bakari, newly arrived at a correctional facility in the Ivorian capital of Abidjan who, in order to stay alive, must keep his fellow inmates entertained with wild tales over the course of a night. Get tickets for tonight's screening at the Bronx Drive-In at filmlink.org. Let's go to the conversation now. Love cinema? So do we. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button for the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. The latest conversations with the world's greatest filmmakers will be delivered to your library as soon as they become available. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for the movie. Um, I like to start out really uh, with just the beginning, the original, where the idea came from. But I'm also hoping you could talk a little bit about how the idea evolved as you were writing the script. Because I read a story of the announcement of the film before it was made. And at that time, I think you said that Zama was going to be telling his own story from within the prison. So I'm wondering if you could just talk a little bit about, I mean, maybe that was an incorrect story, but the original idea and how it might have changed as you created the script. Effectivement, le, le, le scénario a été écrit so it's true. The, the, so the script was written in the context of the Torino Film Lab in, in, in Italy. Uh, and actually Zama King was the original title of, uh, of, this, um, of this work. And I was toying with several options. So there was, on the one hand, Zama who would be telling his own story. And on the other, the option of Roman telling the story of Zama. And, and just what was the original germ of the idea? What was the primary story that you wanted to tell? So yeah, uh, what, what the original idea was the actual story of Zama, because Zama is a, a real, was a real person. He was a, a gang chief of a gang called Les Microbes, or the germs in English, and he was lynched and burned by, by the population. And these the images I saw of this, there are, there are images of this lynching, and when I saw them, I was truly struck by them. You can still see them on social media on the Ivory Coast. And this was, I was so stricken. And I, in the ultimate, then that, that led to the question of exploring how has violence evolved in Ivory Coast, which has been in the midst of a political crisis for 10 years now. So then I, I really like to approach my, um, my storytelling through a narrator. And so here I, I was then trying to figure out how, how would this construction unfold and in which space to tell this story. And at the, so, and at the time I had a childhood a friend who was coming out of jail and who told me, who explained to me that there was this tradition within the jail of designating a storyteller, a, a roman, a roman, who would tell the story and then it, it kind of went from there. Um, it's really 
interesting that you have these two narratives because one of the questions I wanted to ask you was about the choreography of the two spaces, the outdoor space and then the indoor space of the prison because there's such kinetic energy to both of them. But, you know, in the prison, everything has to take place in the stairwells and in the hallways. Um, and I'm, I'm just wondering how you approached the two different styles of choreography and whether those, how those tie into this idea that you're telling about the history of violence in Ivory Coast. The first step was to, to tell the story of Zama based on the prison, that the story for Zama would come out of the prison. But I didn't want the, the story to be only expressed or to be only told within that space of the jail. It had to be something truly felt by the prisoners. So then with my camera director, uh, we decided to, we now decided to create the prison as a space that would be really suffocating, a suffocating space where there's no light, it's all darkness. And then to create the flashbacks as a contrast to that where it would be a space of light. So my goal was to film the prison and to give the as if there was no camera there, to make the camera invisible and to really have this feeling that you're in the middle of the, of the, the inmates in everyday life. And also the other thing, there, there, there are, there's a whole body of, of films that deal with, with jails, with prisons, and they kind of tackle the social aspects of, of jail and also justice. But this was not at all what I was trying to achieve. I didn't want to create this moral, moralizing work. And I just wanted to really render the jail, the carceral universe, as a, as a world into itself that, that's kind of governed by, the, by its own laws, by its own, and especially by its own beliefs, sort of this whole myth, for instance, around the red moon, and from therein creates its own language and the cosmogony as well. Um, I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit more specifically about the choreography of uh, the battle between the queen and her younger brother. And to me, it was very striking the way that was echoed, but in a different uh, style at the end of the film uh, between the two opposing men who may ascend to become the, take the place of Blackbeard. So it's true this, this, um fight between the, the, the queen and her younger brother. It's really the narrative part of the, of the storytelling. And it is a mystical, a mystical fight. They're both kind of up on these elevated mounts. And, and then you, that finds its echo later on in the film where the two uh, men who are, are vying for the power, the chief's role in the, in the prison are, on, are hoisted up on the shoulders of their, of their followers. And uh, that kind of is, in a way, the reflection of the situation in Ivory Coast, which has been undergoing a, a political and military crisis for 20 years now. So you could say that in the country there are, in fact, many fights of kings going on. Uh, so, yes, this fight between the queen and her brother has a definite mystical component. And I, I also, it was dear, important to me to tell, tell this story with 
the vision of our own culture, that there's no opposition between realism and magic, between the visible and the invisible, or between the dead and the living. And that's why you have sort of these, these characters that then take on the, the, the shape of a, a bird, a, an elephant, or a sewing needle. So this uh, it's kind of like the mystical aspect of the of African, uh, this mystical aspect has this, a lot of important in, uh, in African politics or political culture. I guess I want to ask a larger question that's maybe just the same question rephrased, but uh, um, which is to talk a little bit about the role of storytelling uh, in the film, because uh, from a Western U.S. perspective, there are, I see so many influences in the film. I mean, the Roman character comes from a tradition of griot, but uh, there's also the story of Scheherazade. There's something that feels Shakespearean. Just from your perspective, I guess I would like you to talk about this idea of storytelling uh, and, and what you wanted to say about it in the film. That is abso absolutely correct. And it was kind of the, the point of departure of the desire to make the film so and, and my, my, my own culture and vision, it's true that in the Western world, especially in Europe and, and, the, and the United States, we tend to, to give importance to this kind of intelligence that comes, that's linked to, to the unity, meaning that more, the more precise a subject can be, the, the more, the closer it has its nadir. And that is something that I, I really don't believe in. I believe in, in my, my cultural background, and this is also something related by Gabriel Garcia Marquez, is kind of seeing life more as this kind of very, the, of a river flowing very, very rapidly. And that, and that nourishes all these different types of tensions. So there, it's true. So the film has a reference to the griot and also to, to Sheherazade, who also had to tell a story in order, in order not, to, not to die. But the difference is that Sheherazade had, had sort of volunteered to tell the story, which is not the case of the character Roman. So, and also in, in terms of uh, within African culture, the griot also has this role as a, being a historian, between being a, a teller of tales, and also a singer of praises. And that's why, the, as a result of that, the historical, historical storytelling is not a contradiction to, to legends. And this is something that kind of then meanders in all different, in all, in all different forms of storytelling and something that I was dear to me to show. So also, I also, through this film, through this, this, um, this tradition of transmission and of transmission of the tales of the griot, I didn't want to idealize it. And that's why I also selected this impure location, which is that of the, of the prison. I also wanted to, to address the modern dimension coming from the, the battle of the dancers and the storytelling that's, that's made by, by Romain. This was inspired actually by the, the play by Jean Genet Les Bonnes or the, the maids. I don't maids. know if that's yeah. the, the exact right. translation in English, where these maids, these servants, for one night, they become the, the lady of the, of the house. And in my film also, the, for one night only, the prisoners become the masters of the jail. And I wanted this possession or this taking over to happen through the bodies and through dance. 
So also on, on this aspect that for one night only these prisoners become become kings, this was actually an aspect that's politically important to me, is that my belief that prison is a culture because any time you gather people in a for long enough in a single place and over a long enough period of time, a culture is going to emerge and that is then going to give way to poetry. And I by this I don't mean to say that a jail is a poetic place, but they are generators of, of poetry that come out of them. Uh, it's interesting the way you talk about your notion of storytelling in history. It, it reinforces the falsity of my introduction of you in terms of proposing a duality or a, a, a very sharp distinction between journalism and documentary and fiction filmmaking. But I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit more about if, if and how, you know, the distinctions you make between the two and what you feel you can say about this story or Ivory Coast through fiction. Um, but I, this may be too much for one question, but I also want to point out that, uh, you know, it's in, it was interesting to me that you included documentary footage in the film of the 2011 arrest of uh, Laurent Bagbo. And so maybe you can just talk a little bit about the two forms and how they function in the movie. Déjà, uh, pour moi, il n'y a pas de différence. So yeah, actually, I, I, in, in my mind, there is no, no difference between archival and, uh, and, and, and fiction footage. It's, it's, there's no difference between archives, new mysticism, the legends, the real or mythology. For me, these are more different levels of storytelling or of a story. And one kind of helps illuminate another, sort of the same way the heat can help illuminate the cold or, or black can help illuminate white. I think I would define myself as someone who's sort of a, a hyper-narrative, the same way you have someone who's hyperactive. I, it's perhaps not so much to tell 10 stories at once, but maybe to see how one story can have 10 different elements and ramifications. And then through them, you kind of come into contact with history with a, a capital H. And so that's why, you know, I, I, I chose to include this archival footage in the film because these tales and in, in the way that we experience all tell the, the same story. They're not contradictory. Yeah, it's uh, beautiful. It creates such a rich uh, experience for the viewer. So. Uh, I want to thank you again for the film and for joining us. Is, is there anything else you want to uh, say to the audiences who saw the film before we go? Yeah, I have to, to ask for your forgiveness because when I was growing up, my house was right next to a cinema. And as young as one year old, my mother would leave me there when she would go do her, her daily shopping every day. And then she would come pick me up 15 minutes later, which means that in the end, I never saw an entire film in that cinema. And so my, my work is in a kind of a, a collage of all kind of bits and pieces of Westerns and films from Bollywood and Nollywood. Yeah, again, it creates a beautiful texture. So um, 
thank you again so much uh, for the film and for joining us. <laughs>